Due to the separation of powers, the UK Parliament is the legislative body of government, which means that they can make, unmake and amend legislation with sovereignty. Parliament itself has different functions, which include scrutiny, legitimization, accountability and representative functions that vary in effectiveness. Today, I will identify and evaluate the shortcomings of functions such as representation, as well as the functions that are effectively performed by Parliament, such as the scrutiny of legislation. The legislative function of Parliament is executed through passing acts or statutes. Legislation is debated thoroughly through both Houses of Parliament, sometimes undergoing legislative ping-pong to ensure that the legislation is as fair and reasonable as possible, strengthening the effectiveness of this function. An example for this is the Prevention of Terrorism Bill 2005, which was debated for 30 hours consecutively and considered five times by the House of Lords and four times by the Commons. However, the Lords no longer have the power to veto legislation due to the Parliament Act of 1949 and can only delay it for up to one year, and so the elected MPs in the Commons do have the final say. This can be seen as a strength because since they have been given legitimate democratic mandates from the electorate to create laws, their power over the Lords is justified. In counter-argument, although there is a thorough procedure to debate and pass laws through the readings and committee stages, party whips almost always ensure that MPs follow party line and party allegiance and there is little option to open discussion. Furthermore, it can be argued that too many acts can be passed or amended or repealed with ease and this is due to parliamentary sovereignty. The uncodified nature of the UK's constitution means that through a governmental majority or simply enough votes, legislation can be easily passed, which questions its true quality. During 2017 to 2019, May and Johnson's governments passed a total of 51 public members' bills and 57 during 2005 and 2006, which establishes a clear trend. This suggests that although complex issues like Brexit occurred in recent times, the thought and debate put into legislation remains the same, which is a weakness of the legislative function of Parliament. Instead, having fewer amounts of legislation with more detailed and specific information strengthens the quality of legislation. Secondly, private members' bills can also be introduced, and examples of successful legislation through PMBs are the Death Penalty Act 1965 and the Abortion Act 1976. Although these were passed by independent MPs through ballot bills, the 10-minute rule or the presentation bill, they are likely to only pass if supported by the government. This is because the government controls timetables for private members' bills, and so due to procedural constraints, in 2010 to 2017, only 46 were successfully passed. This is a weakness of the legislative function of Parliament, as it shows the excessive control the government has over legislation that is being passed, and therefore issues that opposition parties are focused may not be heard or held in Parliament. Furthermore, filibusters also exist where MPs can block private members' bills or public members' bills that they don't like and use long speeches 
to use debate time and prevent a vote. Although this can be blocked with a closer motion to end the debate and trigger a vote, the support of 100 MPs is needed, which is a large number and rather unlikely. Therefore, the function of passing legislation in Parliament happens regularly and Parliament is successful in doing so. It is questionable whether legislation passed is fair and of high quality. Furthermore, the government's plans are set out and timetabled in the Queen's speech and this timetable can be a determining factor of whether private members' bills, public bills can be introduced. This weakens the effectiveness of the function of legislation in Parliament as the opposition is constrained and there is limited potential for their bills to succeed and become law. Parliament also carries out the legitimising function as it has a major mandate from the electorate and provides and proves sanctions for major decisions for the UK as a whole. Democratic legitimacy is one sublet and this can be used as a strong function due to the Commons being made up of 650 MPs, each individually elected by constituents, granting them the consent to form government. When there is a high turnout, like there was in 1950 with 84%, their mandate to govern is stronger, making the government and parliament more legitimate. One weakness, however, of legitimacy in parliament is that hereditary peers still remain in the House of Lords, and as they are not elected, they are not held accountable. To counteract this, however, there are several constraints put on the Lords. Under the Parliament Act of 1911, the Lords are unable to veto legislation and can only refuse to pass it once. Secondly, the Parliamentary Act in 1949 led to the Lords being able to delay legislation for only one year, limiting their legislative role. Thirdly, due to the Salisbury Convention in 1945, the Lords must not obstruct any legislation or policy in their government's last manifesto. This is because the Commons are voted in by the electorate and therefore have a legitimate mandate, and the unelected House of Lords weakens their legitimacy. Therefore, although it can be argued that the Lords lack democratic legitimacy which decreases the effectiveness of the legitimization function, there are only 92 peers remaining and their power has been massively curtailed over the years. Parliament is also the body which approves and sanctions major resolutions in the national interest. For example, in 2013, Parliament did not confer legitimacy to the government to intervene in Syria with the military. In counter-argument, it can be said that this function of legitimization has failed in the past as they have not fully fulfilled the electorate's wishes by legitimizing war in Iraq in accordance with the Conservative government. Although this is true, Parliament acted in the national interest, protecting the citizens from potential war, and therefore the function of legitimacy is highly effective. Considering the Lords are unelective, there have been massive restrictions on their power, strengthening the overall democratic legitimacy of Parliament, making it far more effective. Further, the mandate granted by the electorate gives Parliament authority to execute decisions in national interests, overall serving the country which demonstrates the effectiveness of the function.
Thirdly, Parliament also has a representation function, where its duty is to represent the national interest as well as constituencies. The UK's parliamentary system is said to be geographically representative of all the areas being split up into 650 constituencies, each having a different MP. Further, there are wide ranges of issues represented within Parliament which include MPs' personal interests as well as displaying the redress of grievances from their constituents. For example, James Fuchs, a Conservative MP who often speaks about animal welfare in Parliament, like in the February of 2020, has served for a number of years on the councils of RSPCA's pressure group, showing a vast variety of representation ensuring minority views and sectional interests are better covered, which increases the effectiveness of this function. When constituency and party interest are in conflict, however, party interest most often prevails, which can be seen as a strength, because a stronger majority will mean that a bill can pass more easily, and a weakness because constituency representation is actually reduced. This occurred with the fracking debate in 2015, where government policy used strong dissent in some constituencies. In defiance of party whip, however, MP of Richmond, Zach Goldsmith, resigned from the Conservative Party as a result of their support for the Heathrow expansion. In November 27, the Conservative government started a public consultation on a proposal for a slightly shorter third runway and a new passenger terminal. This shows a strong dedication to constituency representation, which is a strength, as it represents the will of the people in the area very effectively. Furthermore, although the Lords are unelected, which weakens their ability to represent the electorate, they are said to strongly represent other wider political experiences from various political opinions of the public due to their expertise, such as the law, the environment and economics. However, Parliament fails to be representative of the electorate in other aspects, such as the social class and makeup of the UK. An increase in representation, however, has been seen, with 1 in 10 MPs elected in the 2019 general election being non-white, compared to just 1 in 40 in 2010, showing gradual improvement. However, there are still no black, Asian and minority ethnic MPs in Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland, illustrating a great lack of representation and thus weakening the representation of Parliament very greatly. There is also huge gender disparity in terms of representation. The Equality Act 2010, however, improved this dramatically and allowed parties to use all women shortlists to improve representation of women in the House of Commons. Prior to 1987, women had never made up more than 5% of MPs, and in the 2019 general election, they made up a record of 220, more than ever before. This does show a gradual positive increase in representation, however it is still not fully representative of what the UK actually looks like. Major parties also have an unfair representation in terms of the party system and the MPs due to the the first-past-the-post electoral system championing a winner's bonus. Therefore, one can argue that Parliament is actually not politically or socially representative of the whole nation. To extend on this argument, in 2015, UKIP won 
3.8% or 12.6% of the popular vote, yet only one seat. SNP won 50% of the vote in Scotland, however they won 56 out of 59 seats available, which translates to over 95%. Although this disparity was not as alarming in 2019, there is still a difference between the number of seats and the number of votes received by parties. This distortion proves that the UK's parliament has been given seats that are not effectively representation and a representative quality of the population and therefore this function is very severely weakened. Arguably, the central function of parliament is carrying out an accountability and scrutiny role. Just as the government must govern with the consent of the people, so too must the government be held accountable. Parliament holds the government accountable through debates, MP question time and through work of the departmental select committees. PM question time occurs every Wednesday, forcing the PM to answer questions and criticisms on a range of topics which can be beneficial for constituents or to know more about government policy. This is very effective, as it also makes the government accountable to the PM. It is an important mechanism in allowing the PM to involve themselves in the government as much as possible. One criticism for this, however, is that it can be largely theatrical and simply a vessel for opposition MPs to create tension, putting the PM in an uncomfortable position, almost like a point scoring game, as it is televised. Nevertheless, Parliament can expose failings in the government through this important process and bring about change. There are also many departmental select committees or DSCs in Parliament that call the government to account. Since they act independence of party allegiance and often produce unanimous reports, most of the focus goes actually into holding the government to account, which can be seen as a great strength of select committees. The impact and effectiveness of departmental select committees alongside the Public Accounts Committee is certainly growing and therefore they have been an increasingly important and effective role in accountability. For example, in 2016, the Work and Pensions Committee investigated into the collapse of British home stores and the loss of employees' pension funds. This resulted in the company being reported to the pensions regulator. Although it can be argued that the reports published by committees have no real power, they do bring attention and hold the ministers to account, which in itself is very effective. The Liaison Committee is arguably one of the most impactful and effective in holding the Prime Minister to account. This questions all the chairs of the main select committees and occurs one or two times a year, questioning the PM on current and future legislation. The accountability function of Parliament is also greatly important. On rare occasions, the Commons may remove a government with a vote of no confidence. If this does occur twice in a short period of time, the government must resign and another general election will be automatically triggered. This last occurred in 1979 when the Labour government of the day of the outset and in 2019 with Johnson. This shows that parliamentary effectively performs 
functions of accountability as there are various checks and balances placed on the government through select committees, question time, urgent questions and written questions. However, the extent of this effectiveness is weak due to the lack of real legitimate and legitimate impact select committees have when it comes to holding the government to account for their decisions. Therefore, although checks are put into place that ensure government officials are performing their roles effectively, there perhaps needs to be more bodies and more regulators to regularly hold the government and ministers accountable and be more transparent to the public. So, in conclusion, the extent to which different parliamentary functions are effective in their roles differ. The legislative function is a weaker one because of the effectiveness and real impact of backbencher bills and private member bills is questionable. The representation function of parliament can be seen as effective because limits are put on the unelected lords, decreasing their power and sustaining democratic legitimacy of parliament. Thirdly, the representation function of Parliament is increasingly effective as the gender gap is decreasing and BAME groups are being represented more frequently, although not perfectly proportional at all. The accountability and scrutiny roles of Parliament are fairly effective. The Lords scrutinise legislation thoroughly and the Parliament as a whole is held accountable in many ways, such as parliamentary question time. Overall, Parliament carries out its functions in an effective manner, as there has been no political unrest or urge that is dramatic to change the system, suggesting that it is overall satisfactory and effective.